Welcome back to Share the Load. I'm your host, Mia Schachter. I'm an intimacy coordinator for TV, film, and theater, a consent educator, and the founder of Consent Wizardry. I'm also an artist, uh, a writer, um, a visual artist, and a musician. I'm going to do some updates at the beginning of the show today to let you know what's going on at Consent Wizardry. Uh, Starting April 17th is the next Somatic Educator Program, Somatic Consent Educator Program. So that program is designed for self-employed people, people who are hoping to be self-employed, or people who work within a larger company or organization and are hoping to bring consent principles to their work. So we spend the first half learning consent principles like the yes to no spectrum and fries and uh, the wheel of consent and learning to teach those things and then we spend the second half really building out your business so we go over how to have a sliding scale business structure um, how to incorporate these principles not just into the work that you do and offer but also into the business itself Um, we go through your offerings and what you want to bring to your community Uh, making sure that you have different price tiers, different access points. Um, It's been a really phenomenal program. We've had sex workers, therapists, um, coaches, uh, body workers, uh, Sharon, who has been on the show, who works with dogs and their dog human companions, um, did the program. Uh, Several people who've been on the show have done the program. Maisha. Uh, Minachi, um, Umu, and others, and several of them are also going to be guest teaching classes, so Umu will do the Radical Mental Health First Aid, Aphomia Hylomeskel will do the um, Authenticity in Social Media, uh, Brooke Her will do um, a class on grief. Uh, you also get three one-on-ones with me, so this is a, a 12-week program, 10 to 12 weeks, Um, and it meets twice a week. It's a truly, truly life-changing program. It's everything I wish I had known about running a business, um, you know, building my own business. And, uh, my goal is to help you kind of get a jump start on yours. You can read more and apply, uh, on the website at consentwizardry.com. Applications close April 3rd. In May, I have a six-week program Uh, called Unblocked, about moving through creative blocks by cultivating your own consent practice. I was very surprised to find the link between creativity and consent. Um, A consent practice with myself has completely changed my relationship with creativity. You can hear more about that in my conversation on the podcast with Serena Caffrey from a few weeks ago. That program will address perfectionism, people-pleasing, inner critic, um, finding your voice, and uh, really help you cultivate the sense of safety that you need in order to create and play and explore. That starts in May. Boundaries and consent and masculinity for masculine identifying people is happening over the summer. Again, that's a nine-week program. Um, I'm very excited to be offering that again. Uh, And this time, Ari Simon will be joining to do a class on grief. Uh, A lot of grief comes up in this work. Grief for 
how things could have gone differently, how different your life could have been, grief for your past self, usually coupled with optimism for your future self, but really processing that grief has become a really important part of this work. So I'm excited to be adding that class to, to that program. And I have added another consent and boundaries for people pleasers. That is not until October, but you can sign up for that already. So I hope to see some of you in there. The first one went great. It was a really, really wonderful, wonderful class. It's also worth mentioning now um, before we get into everything that if you are looking for ways to support this show and get something for yourself, um, add to your self-care routine, uh, Foria Wellness has given me a um, personalized link that is in the show notes that allows you to use the code MIAS20 for 20% off and then Consent Wizardry gets 10%. Um, so that's a really helpful way for us to get some passive income. This podcast doesn't make any money. In fact, it costs money. Um, so if you're uh, looking for ways to support, that's a really wonderful way to do so. Also, just rating and reviewing and subscribing to this show really does wonders for search engine optimization. So if you can take a moment to do that, I really, really appreciate it. Okay, we're gonna get into it. Um, I'm doing a series, I think it's gonna be three, um, on what is consent? What the heck is it? Um, a little intro uh, to consent the way that we're talking about it on this show. So we're gonna start with what is consent? This big question. I would encourage you to take a moment and pause the show if you can to think about or write down not what you think consent is now, but how it was explained to you. When did you first hear what it was? How did you, do you remember learning about it? How was it explained to you? So I'll give you a moment to pause and think about it. You can do that right now. And uh, I'll share some of mine. So I remember hearing no means no. I remember hearing consent in the terms of contracts. Um, I remember learning it in terms of consent, of sex, I mean. So uh, like consent was in the realm of sex. Uh, and it basically meant like don't do things you don't wanna do or like if you say no, then the other person should respect that. Um, I've heard other people talk about consent as like they learned that it was a way to like treat other people better um, and that now perhaps they understand that it's first and foremost a way of treating yourself better, of listening to yourself and of getting to know yourself on a deeper level. So we're going to look at how, how I teach consent, how I've come to understand consent through doing this work. I define consent as an ongoing practical approach to communication, a mode of checking in with yourself and others about limitations, capacity, and resources. Um, I really wanna highlight this part about checking in with yourself. Consent is not just a thing that we do with other people, it's also something that we do with ourselves. We often are the ones pushing our own boundaries. We are often the ones violating our own consent. 
you know, I say I'm not going to check my email past 7 p.m. and then at 10.30 I check my email. Um, we are engaging with ourselves in this practice of consent constantly. Gauging like, do I want to do this? Do I have the energy to do this? Um, do I, uh, am I willing to do this? That's a very important distinction, wanting versus willing. That's um, a, a distinction from Betty Martin, who came up with the wheel of consent. Next, I would say consent is a practice of deep listening, not just for words, but also for body language, gaze, prosody, which is how you say what you say, and other forms of often unconscious information and communication. Another way to put this would be nonverbals. So we are unconsciously scanning for nonverbal information all the time with people, with animals, with babies who are people, <laughs> and, um, and with our environment. You know, the feeling of like walking into a space and be like, being like, something about this place gives me the heebie-jeebies. That is part of this process called neuroception, where we're scanning for safety and danger unconsciously. A lot of consent work is about making the unconscious conscious, which both helps us in like gauging the world around us and other people in it. Um, but it also gives us, as those things become more conscious, we have more access to choice around them and we can use them in more skillful ways to make sure that we're communicating what we mean to communicate, um, with, with more attention and intention. Moving on, I define consent as a path towards knowing yourself. I think that your desires are part of your authentic self-expression. So part of consent is getting to know what you want. Um, it is impossible to uh, extricate nurture versus nature when it comes to our desires. You know, why do we want the things that we want? But it is worth looking. It's worth inquiring. Like, did I learn this desire from ads or from magazines? You know, these desires around like beauty standards, let's say. Um, did I learn them from romantic comedies? Or are they something that comes from an internal place? And ultimately, we want what we want. And so I think we have to kind of, um, you know, move on from that place. But I do think that it's worth examining where those desires come from. I think of consent as a language and something that can be embodied. And I would consider embodiment to be fluency. Um, like a language, like learning an instrument, like learning a dance. At first, these things can be sort of um, clunky and maybe a little awkward and even strenuous, you know, like searching for the right vocab word or conjugating the verb. Uh, you know, remembering like, what does G look like on the guitar? What does A look like on the guitar? How do I get from one to the next? And then eventually it becomes fluid. It becomes fluent. Uh, it becomes something that you don't have to think about so much. You still have to check in and think about it from time to time, but it can become something that is very intuitive and instinctual. But we have to pattern those instincts for ourselves. What is consent not? Um, so moving on to what consent is not. Uh, again, if you can pause 
the show right now, I would take a moment to write down or say out loud what consent is not. Um, you know, you've probably uh, heard me talk about this directly and indirectly before. So just thinking about what you believe consent is not is going to be a good way to get into this section. Consent is not a checklist. Um, it's not a thing that we can like have on a piece of paper and go like, okay, I did this, I did this, I did this, and I'm good. If consent is ongoing, if it is a practice of deep listening, then it's not something that we can check off a list. It's not a set of rules um, or a set of questions. So I know that like some colleges have started to issue these like consent checklists or consent scripts. And I know, I understand that what they're trying to do is sort of like set a gold standard or like set a foundation. But I think that what happens and what happens in my experience in teaching this stuff is that when you give people a checklist, when you have a checklist, I'll say when I have a checklist, when I have a set of questions, I am not as present as I can be. And I'm not engaged in that full body listening that I mentioned. I'm just trying to get done this list that I have in front of me. So when we give people a list or a set of questions, um, I, I think, you know, I, I really do understand that it's like a, 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 a good faith effort, but my fear is that what ultimately ends up happening is, is that it's a bit dissociative. It takes us out of the moment and it doesn't allow us to really listen both to the other person and to ourselves. Um, this, is a, this is a big one, this next one, and it might uh, bring up some feelings. Um, consent is not something you can ever do perfectly. Yeah, I'm going to repeat that. Consent is not something you can ever do perfectly. And I think at first, for a lot of people, the immediate reaction is then like, well, then what are we doing here? <laughs> like, why am I learning about this if it's not something I'm ever going to be able to do right, quote unquote. Um, and it, we got to move beyond that, that perfectionism and, uh, you know, this, this idea that there's like a right way to do it. Um, to me, that falls into the category of, of a binary. Uh, we cannot ever do this perfectly because our capacity changes. Time is a variable that affects all of us. Um, consent is something that is constantly changing in different contexts, in different relationships, as trust is built or broken. Um, every individual is different. So you may be able to practice consent with someone nearly perfectly, but it's going to be different with someone else. It's a constantly changing thing. So it's something that we have to be checking in with all the time. If it's, you know, if it's a practice, it's something that we can uh, get better at and better at and better at, but we're never going to be able to do it perfectly. I think of this very similarly to how I think about like removing you know, racism, white supremacy, uh, like transphobia, the gender binary, like all these sort of systems that operate outside of me and within me that I have internalized. Like similarly, I can get closer and closer to zero, but the limit does not exist. And I, I've written about this. You can see it on my blog. You can see it on my Instagram. I think about this as 
like that math equation of the limit does not exist. You can, as soon as you notice something, you will get much better at like reducing how often it shows up, but you will never get to zero. You know, I have to commit to, for the rest of my life, working towards being less racist, you know, having less racism in me, in my speech, in my behavior. Um, I have to work towards having less uh, sexism, things like that. Um, but it's never going to go away fully because I don't live in a vacuum. Um, I live in this world that is sexist, racist, transphobic, fatphobic, etc. So I will have to work towards zero for the rest of my life. And I would say with consent as well, there is no limit here. Like there is always better. There is always more. My hope is that by talking about this as something that you can never do perfectly, it might eventually bring some relief. Uh, if we can get better at checking in, if we can get better at asking for feedback, giving feedback, you know, if we can get better at uh, noticing when something isn't feeling quite right, then, and, and better at apologizing and being accountable, then the, the, the goal of trying to do it perfectly can start to kind of dissolve. Um, yeah, my hope is that that really brings in some, like, a release of sort of this grip of, like, uh, you know, scrutinizing yourself and, like, having to do something perfectly all the time. Consent is also not just permission. So consent is often defined as permission. You know, is this okay? Yes, okay, you consented. Um, or you gave consent. I try to avoid talking about consent as something that you can give or get because it sort of reinforces this idea that it's a thing that happens in one moment. Um, and again, if we're defining this as a practice, as a language, as something ongoing, then it is not merely permission. Permission happens in one moment and then consent continues. This practice continues. Um, I'm going to do part two on the consent iceberg. Um, that image is on my Instagram and on my website, but I will explain it verbally where permission is at the top and then we have so much more going on under the surface. So permission, like the legal definition of consent is permission, but we're talking about relational consent, interpersonal consent, ethical consent, maybe social consent. We're not just talking about legal consent. Permission is maybe like step one, and then we got to keep going. Um, consent keeps happening. This practice continues. So moving beyond the definition of consent as merely permission is going to help us with that full body listening. It's going to help us be present. It's going to help us see this as an ongoing thing. I think of it as something that is sort of outside of time atemporal. Like it's not a thing that happens in one moment. It's something that is always happening. And it is also happening unconsciously. Um, it is happening consciously and my hope is that we make it more conscious, but it is also happening unconsciously. Um, and that's very important. You know, we can, we can hone these skills by making them more conscious. Um, and one of the ways to start with that is to look beyond permission for the other ways that we're practicing consent all the time.
Okay, this is a short one. So I'm gonna leave it there and then we'll do part two where I'll probably go over the consent iceberg and fries. I may split that into two, but uh, TBD. Um, okay, thank you for listening. Our uh, music is written by Amelie Rousseau who goes by Sophia Bolt. You can find her online on, the, on Instagram at Sophia Bolt. Um, she is also my guitar teacher and my music producer and she does is looking for more work of that kind so if you're interested in having her do some music for your show also if you if you're looking for a podcast editor for a music producer um or even a guitar teacher uh she is available for that she's absolutely wonderful and and has contributed enormously to my creativity practice so i'm very grateful to her thank you all see you next time